0: Hey, welcome to the Bullpen Sessions. This is Patrick Lellis. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Glad everyone's okay. Uh, Hope everyone is. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to share this conversation with my good friend and uh, incredibly talented actor, Neil Tyrone Pritchard. You know, Neil for a long time, over a decade. Um, I was reminded of that during this conversation. You'll hear a nice moment of when we first connected. And it's a great conversation. Um, It's very profound, actually. It was just more, we also commented on the fact that it got a little deeper than expected when we were talking about just where we are and as individual artists, what's happening at this time in the, obviously, the pandemic, starting to focus on work coming out of it and what we carry with us, mental health, what we carry with us with the In regards to the conversation of what the the world has been having, and um, it was really, really glad to have the conversation. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Neil was uh, right before he was doing a bunch of, before the pandemic, he was in Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven, which was playing at the Atlantic co-production with Labyrinth Theatre. And I also did not talk about, because I learned afterwards that he was also having a musical he wrote opening at the exact same time that show was opening. It's very funny. I've known him for a decade and we had a podcast and it wasn't until I saw him after the podcast that I learned about the musicals that he's written two of. So really impressive and great conversation. I also wanted to share Something else, and I think it was that conversation was really deep and valuable and and we went Jake Brash and I went down to Tennessee to see our tempest uh, that's the title of the college collaboration project play that was at austin p and it was really great the students were incredibly committed and and, and really good and and I, I took away from that the trip it was it was really nice what something that happened at the end was. Gretchen, the teacher from Pellissippi State, the second school that's going to produce the play in the spring, came to see the final performance. And at the end of the second show, all of a sudden, Darren, the director of the Austin P production, Gretchen, who's doing the next production, Jake and myself, were all immediately in this conversation about the play and really insightful. And Gretchen was already asking questions and having an observation. And I and what struck me is not not just the value of the program, but what struck me is what makes it valuable is that investment, that investment that she drove three and a half hours to see it so that she could learn and contribute, not only learn, but contribute to the conversation and be part of the conversations as we start to move to the next phase of rewriting for that production. And And I really appreciate her, but I also really appreciated... thinking about what makes that program valuable and what makes it valuable is when everyone, when not everyone, when all, but when people recognize that it's valuable, that's what makes it valuable when you, and I think that's true about other things, you know, like when you think, you know, I'm doing a reading, well, why is that reading important? You know, I'm doing it and we're doing it in the, you know, around somebody's table in their living room. Then we're just hearing the play first time. Is it, you know, what is that versus, oh, I'm really contributing to the life of a play and I'm recognizing. And it's just the context in which we see ourselves and see what we're investing in and seeing what the greater long-term impact can be. And it's like, it I think things have value because we bring internal value to it. And I was really struck by it. I mean, the conversation with Neil talks a lot about, I think, valuing yourself, but but really recognizing what that is, because I think of what makes really great partners for the college collab, And I'm like, oh, it's the schools that recognize what an opportunity is for the students, how that communication and, and and discourse around the development of play extends to other departments and how it continues that dialogue to the next level and, you know, gets them connected to other schools. This particular one has two schools in different sides of Tennessee that are working together and they're going to get to know each other a little bit. And so I'm not talking about the College CoLab project as much as just recognizing that things are valuable because we recognize the value in them. Sharing that observation, because I think as you're, as, as you're I'm also not a very specific person in mind, but when we're thinking about our own work, it what makes it grow is our belief in the value of it, our belief in what is possible. And it's always bigger than just the, the one small event, the one event, even though the event is great right? We're opening a play. Well, it's already bigger because people are coming and those people are going to be impacted by it. And, you know, so just that simple act elevates it, but but it really is elevated. And I yeah, it was just an awareness that I got from the an appreciation I got for the project that we do in the college collab. And you'll hear in a conversation with Neil, just him appreciating the value and me appreciating the value that he brings into a room. Actually, we talk a lot about modeling certain behavior, but I'm, Happy did the conversation. Really great to talk to him and happy to share it with you. And with that, play ball.
1: Because the world is opening up, but we're relearning how we engage with one another in these spaces. And we're learning what consent looks like. And we're like learning how to, take a full person in without seeing half of their face it's like we're we're learning with a handicap basically with several handicaps um (laughs) and so it's like overwhelming to be in a space with people that you love but not be able to touch them especially in a time where we're experiencing trauma and some of our like love languages are like hugs and kisses and embraces and things like that so I've, I've just been, in the last 24 hours, I've seen at least 20 or 30 people that I love in spaces where I couldn't engage in the way that I wanted to.
0: Yeah, and is that, in when you say that, is that in personal, it can be both, obviously, personal, professional,
1: um, all? All, all, they kind of blend. Um, yeah. You know, because we're in the arts, there's no separation between your friends and the people you work with. So, you know, if, if they're not your friends before, if, you know, you build a rapport and then they become your friends and your family. And we've not seen each other for so long.
0: Yeah. I guess I was asking, because I was curious if you, in the last 24 hours, if you were back in real time, working real spaces, and is that happening for you yet?
1: Um, It's, it's blended right now, but last night I, um, Yesterday, I'm in a workshop of a, a play. And the play is a bunch of friends that I know. And then I went to a dress rehearsal for the Bill T. Jones piece at the Armory. And that's like, I've worked there for seven years with these people. And where, you know, they're, they're rules now when you enter into a space with hundreds of people, how you can engage. There's like the the question of consent can we engage and then there's also the mandates like if you if you want to hug each other go to the corner if you want to hug each other not in here you can't take off your mask so you can't take in the full person's face um, it's interesting
0: wow and it is interesting and it's and it's sort of an agreed upon thing and on in, in that institution and the fact that you all work you know anybody who is invited has a relationship with the space so they're following the rules and are aware of them yeah Uh, i won't talk too much about the show because i'm (laughs) going on wednesday um and this will drop after this after i will have seen it but um but i'm glad you said i spent my morning reading about it Mm. because talk about it before the students come sounds great Uh.
1: Amazing. Yeah, we won't we won't go into detail about it, but I will say that like, it's it's exactly what we need right now, period.
0: They commissioned that piece pre-pandemic. Yeah, and you know I was reading about it, and it sounds like it does sound like what we need right now, and you know, and apparently we needed it before. Mm-hmm. You know, and and how is. You, you said you worked there for seven years and, and you've been working there for seven years. How do you find it as a home, as a place to engage? Well,
1: I think what the, I think what most arts institutions do is they respond to the time. And the unique thing about the Armory is I feel, and I have felt since I've worked there, that like their issues, like socio-political issues, um, that are timeless they're things that we 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 should be we should have been worried about 400 years ago right that like these are ongoing issues and 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 the thing that's happening in our industry in the arts um is people are responding to a moment that is happening right now when they should be responding to just the consciousness of like the world as it has been for a very long time. Um, so I walked into the armory and, you know, it appears to be this, this very archaic like arts institution, but at its core, one of its tenant, one of its tenants is like education is passing that wisdom and agency on to the next generation. And they hold, They really hold true to that. They've created opportunities and avenues for young people um, of several demographics to have space to express, to have space to earn money making art, have space to earn money learning about art. Which is like, oh, my God, if I had that when I was (laughs) when I was like a young person. I, I think I would have walked through the worlds with a little less questions about what I wanted to do as a as an adult.
0: How did you find the army? How' did you come to it? What brought you to it?
1: Um, <laughs> so my, I needed a uh, I needed a survival job. I was working in restaurants and and just was not happy it wasn't filling the tank. I feel like I was working in a capacity that didn't allow me to really focus on the art, that it became an afterthought. And so I wanted something in the arts. I didn't know what that was. And so I was trying multiple things, you know, like being house manager for a while, like producing, which took up a lot of my, like, which took up a lot of my time and in some of my spirit. <laughs> and, and then a friend of mine um, just having conversations, which I think is also really important in your community, just like whatever it is that you're going through, you should have people that you can just vent to and they possibly might have a solution. Um, and this friend was like, my job is hiring It might not be something that you're interested in, but going for the interview. And I went in and they hired me on the spot. And, you know, my I'm a New York City public school kid. That's my thing. And so that was the angle I went in with. I'm like, I know these students, these students are me. I'm willing to just like learn the craft of teaching. So I kind of learned on the job. And this was seven years ago.
0: And, and the job is teaching artists. Yeah. Right? And yeah. working with the education program, going into the schools and yes. you know, all the programs that come in and out, it's cool. And it's been a home, one job. It's interesting because I was thinking about that. I was thinking about making a living as an artist pre-pandemic time. And then we'll talk post-pandemic time mm-hmm. or during the pandemic. But how that looks, I was just talking to, talking to somebody last night, a former student that I worked with and um, and I just said, "You know you have to be willing to do multiple jobs if that's what you want. You know They were thinking of moving to New York in particular, and um, And I think it's so great that when all of your multiple jobs can use your artistry,
1: yeah, you,
0: you know you you obviously are an incredibly talented actor and singer and and great that in the and now teacher.
1: Yeah that yeah wasn't that yeah wasn't a yes i'm an incredibly talented singer these are the it, things like, you do you were affirming that that that. Yeah. yeah 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 um it's interesting <laughs> thank I'll you i'll affirm your talent <laughs> thank you it's a uh, it's interesting because there's some it's a case-by-case thing right there's some people that work really well with having their art in one place and their survival job in another place there are some people that just like, that's the way their system works. So it's case by case for me. I just found that like so many parts of my life were already in the art and me dipping my toe outside of it felt unnatural to me as like successful as I was in other worlds. It just, I needed this to be, <laughs> I just needed it to be the thing that I did. I needed to make that decision that I was just going to be in the arts and all my energy was going to go there.
0: What gave you that? I'm glad that you did, what gave you the confidence to say, I've got it, to let go of the way you were doing it? Was it more, I have to, or I can?
1: A little bit of both. Um, Yeah, a little bit of both. I was in my late 20s. Um, I was sort of just burning out because I was doing so much in so many different places. And so I think it was like... (laughs) Now, looking back, it was the wisest mental health decision that I could have made. Right. Just having it all be like just having everything all be in one place, having a similar language for all of the things. Um, So it was a little bit of both. I had the luxury that I could move to something else, um, but I needed to because I was just going to I was going to burn out. I burn out really easily.
0: What was your rhythm before before? March of last year. Oh. I know that you were you were in a play just prior to it, you know, halfway bitches. Yeah. At, at the Atlantic, um, doing workshops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was it. I had closed a play in mid-January and was doing a bunch of workshops of plays and auditioning a bunch, and had gotten back into teaching even more. Um, I was in rehearsals for a short play, and then I was also on leadership for Labyrinth Theatre Company. So we were preparing, the next play was already in rehearsals at that time. So there was just a full plate of everything that I was doing at that time. And it feels like in one day, like within the span of three hours, things just started to get pulled from the table. It's like, you can audition in the traditional way that you did. Things sort of stopped in that regard. Um, the play that I was in got, uh, got postponed to June. Cause we thought, cause you know, cause we thought we were going to be back by June. Um, the play at labyrinth then got postponed. The actors, I think they were in week three of rehearsal. So that got, that got canceled or postponed. Um, it got postponed um and then teaching we had about three days we had about three days where we were like um okay so we're going to take a break but we have we were in the middle of residencies with schools we were preparing people to see the show at the armory that is now happening deep blue sea so all these workshops were set up for the next couple months we were like deep in the work and we had to figure out in a short amount of time how to transition with the DOE to teaching on zoom. So I think there might've been like a week where I didn't teach, but after that we were just, we, we continued to work.
0: Wow. I mean, it's great. It's funny. We all, you know, like everybody eventually transitioned to zoom and some of us did it immediately like myself mm-hmm. and, I took I've talked about it on the pod, but I took a play immediately from rehearsal room to Zoom because was at a university. Uh, but it's interesting because all of that flow was happening. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like at that time that was maximum amount of flow for you of what was happening with career and work and artistry and momentum. It felt like accumulation of years.
1: The perfect storm. <laughs> it was it was it was the perfect it was actually the perfect storm I was uh you know just the, the momentum from doing the play, that play, but also just like years of work and having people coming to see see me in that light and um yeah, things just it was just the perfect storm i I actually <laughs> confession. I I loved teaching so much that even during the run of halfway bitches, I taught during the day because I was like, this is an an essential part of, of my artistry and who I am. So I want to continue to do this thing. So there was not like there was a break where I wasn't teaching. I just continued. I think I took two weeks off. I did like, yeah, I, I took like two or three weeks off for the rehearsal process And then some time off for tech, but like continued teaching throughout it. Um, So it was the perfect storm. I had like two or three residencies at the time that I was working on through the Park Avenue Armory and then one-off workshops with other theater companies. And yeah, it was, (laughs) it was, it felt like a a blessing in disguise because I thought it was going to be temporary. I'm like, oh my God, all these things are happening, but I get to take a break. I get to breathe. And then a week later, it's like, no, everything's figured out. Everything's going to Zoom. Buy a microphone. Get better (laughs) internet. (laughs) Get better internet. Uh, Figure out your lighting situation, which was challenging and beautiful all at the same time.
0: And how did things continue? Did you, I'm curious about making, staying engaged with your art during the pandemic, but also tying that to making a living Mm. how you know for me i i will just share just because it can financials is always awkward right but i i got unemployment for the first time in 20 years uh and that was nice because i was also working and so the weeks that i worked something i didn't Mm -hmm. get unemployment the weeks that i didn't i did and i was able to sustain myself through the pandemic but um But what what was your work? What was the, was it teaching? Did that continue? I
1: I love that you started this off with like financials can be awkward. And it's so, it's like, I can, I understand it, but it's also weird to me that in a career that's freelance, that we're not transparent and offering everyone all the resources that we have so that we're all as a community, just healthier, right? Like, we, we should all be transparent. I primarily made my money through teaching. And then occasionally I would get a, a workshop of a play that would pay me a hundred bucks or like 200 bucks. Right. But for the most part. I actually,
0: to be transparent, I did the math because I got some regular, regular gigs at, at an established theater doing a workshop of something or a production. And I did the math. I it felt like I was making about 55 cents on the dollar. Of what I would have made in person. I'm not complaining because I don't know how we, uh, I know we also weren't monetizing these things on Zoom. Yeah. You know, so I was grateful to get the work. Uh, not in a place of scarcity, like, oh, but mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm glad that people are paying and that it's professional. So when you, just because when you dropped in the dollar amount and since you said the word about transparency, I thought, yeah, it felt like that's what was happening. And, um, the difference of going into a building for a workshop versus being at my desk and Zoom.
1: Yeah. You also, I mean, you also have to, I guess I wasn't working from a place of scarcity, but I also, I was also really grateful that I was one of the actors that in this time people considered, right. That they considered me enough to call me into rooms that like the purpose of developing work in this time or presenting these workshops and doing readings on zoom for the public were not so much for developmental sake, but to keep morale up. And the fact that I was one of the actors that people chose time and time again to do that. I was like, okay, this is like, it's like a hundred bucks, but also but also we're keeping, this is like a lifeline. We're keeping each other up. This yeah. feels distant, but together.
0: It's so. a really good point because I, uh, one of the things I was thinking about is like how hard it is for people who haven't entered a community yet during the pandemic to find community, you know, because, yeah. and you want And when you said that somebody thought of you, it's like, right. Mm-hmm not only are we doing the work to share the work and a lot of the work was to keep us, like you said, keep us going, keep us afloat, but also anytime somebody sent an email saying, would you do this? You're like, Oh, you remember me.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's, it's interesting. Cause I, you know, I'll say this about full transparency. I made more money as a teaching artist during the pandemic than I did prior to the pandemic because people realized that they did, (laughs) they needed artistry in schools. Like they needed someone to come in and just break up the monotonous, like Zoom monotone day. They just need, like, even if the students resisted, we were there. So, you know, and, and, and in doing the teaching, offering up resources to people that don't have communities, I feel like and I guess this is my, my thing moving forward because we're not quite open. and We don't know what the world is going to be like. So if, God forbid, we end up in a situation like this, we have more tools than we did before. And there's so many resources out there. Like the com- what I've noticed is there's always a reading to go to. There's always a breakout room or talk back after the reading. While you don't have direct community, you still can be a part of a community. People were meeting people in parks. They were having like meetups with random people in parks masked up just to feel connected to something. So, you know, now we know then we didn't know that community is larger than the people you've been working with for seven years.
0: Yeah. And I love one of the things that the internet did and I, I, I don't know how we're going to incorporate it in the future. Right. But is to be able to remain connected to, not only community that we're used to seeing in the lobby and the people we want to hug when we go into the theater but people in denver and people in Mm -hmm. Seattle, and all of a sudden we're connected and can talk out not only can they be in the reading with you and be in the presentation with you in the workshop but they can be in the breakout room for the chat afterwards and feel like we have much larger community or reach and i do think that is a bonus something we've learned that I hope is a tool we figure out how to continue to use.
1: I feel like now we're, we're moving to this hybrid model, right? Because we're in this nebulous space. I feel like a lot of programming, especially like off Broadway and the tiers below it, they want people to get that content. Broadway doesn't have as much of a stake as like, they want people to come in and they want people to pay for tickets. But on those, um on those other tiers. They want people to get the content and so there's like live feeds that happen where half of the audience is in person and then you can buy into this live feed where you can see a production happening in new york if you're in not only denver but like denmark you know or like and that is i think that's the thing that's the thing that i'm excited about and i i started with the I had started the like I hate Zoom theater campaign. Um, I was he- so heavy on it. I was like, I want to feel people, I need to breath in a room and blah, and then you know, and then you get on a Zoom with other actors that you're like, I wouldn't have the opportunity to work with you had we not met in this digital space because you're on the other side of the world. Yeah. Um I love, I love that about Zoom. I love that about Zoom theater. And I hope that we retain some of that. I mean, even, even if it's only in the developmental part of the theater that we make, because there's some voices that we just don't have access to here in New York City, believe it or not, that we might have in South Africa. You know? Right. Yeah.
0: Um, I think it's great. And I think that's one of the, yeah, that is one of the tools I hope we keep. For that reason, for inclusivity of everyone, and also I think the idea, of, you know, Broadway is a destination, and people need to. It survives because people go physically to it, mm-hmm. and, it and it fuels the economy of the city and all those other great things. But, um, but I think you're right. I think the rest of it, I hope we continue the reach as we're in this mixed thing. How are you? finding, what's the next step? What do you, when it comes to working, what are you finding for yourself to be, what do you need to do? Or what are you hoping to do? Or what do you think you should, should, you know, should be next in that's, trying to build your career again? <laughs> to-
1: that's a large question. and <laughs> That's a huge, that's a huge question. Um, I feel, uh, Yeah, I feel like we, and I've done this in my life so many times that we go through these traumatizing experiences and just to move on without doing the proper work around it, right? And I'm seeing this as I see students that I've not seen in person for 18 months, and they're shell-shocked, but are forced to be in a classroom now with masks, which I support, but also let's acknowledge that this is not the world that we left. This is not, this is like a new situation and we've all been through things. And so I don't have very many answers about career stuff. I think I was on a, I think I liked where I was. That was also a thing during the pandemic. I was like, people were like, oh, we need this reset. I was like, I was fine right where I was. Everything was, everything was great. Um, (laughs) but I think reset for me is not about where I'm going career wise, because that is, that is where that is. You know, I know how to get where I was before I did it once. I can do it again. Um, I think what I have been doing throughout this time is, I mean, especially now that we're reincorporating ourselves in in in-person spaces is like building, a stronger foundation, like ju- boundaries dealing with mental health things, scheduling, not putting so much on my plate at the same time. I think that is like, that's the, <laughs> that's the revolution I've been looking for. That's the, the level of reset that I want. Cause I mean, Patrick, you know, this things will change about the, the industry that we're in. but not so much and not so fast. So we have to like self-govern. We have to figure out what is the right thing for us. And I think that's what, that's what's happening for me right now. As I like go back out into the world, I'm like, ah, what projects really speak to me? It's not about working from a pa- place of scarcity, but like, where am I, where am I most useful? And once I enter into a space, how can I protect myself and also advocate for others to protect themselves? um yeah
0: thanks for tackling the big question because that was the great that was a great answer because I think that is it it's this reset and the reset is mental health and 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 caring for yourself because you're right I don't think I hope our industry changes but the things that I hope it changes are not cosmetic you know they're not yeah you know and they're they're I'd like to go back to I didn't go back. I don't know if I want to go back. I like one of the things I was thinking about recently, and I don't know if I said we saw each other the other night at a play. I don't know if I said it, but you know, it's like I'd like to go back to when we go into a room to remember that we're creating art,
1: mm.
0: and, and that we're not creating, you know, show number three of a season, and that there's a way to put the nuts and bolts of a play together that's become institutionalized. And financial reasons, for whatever whatever reasons, those things happen. But I hope that we remember that we're going back in for art and creating art and that we're um, and I and that we create space for art to happen. And with art comes people being vulnerable. And if we're vulnerable, there's we have to care for each other. We have to care for ourselves and also acknowledging the thing you said about acknowledging the trauma we've been through and that not only are the students going through it that you're seeing in person, but that we're all going through it. And um, I think it was really, it's really important to think about because I don't know how the business itself is going to pick back up. But like you said, I feel I did it before, I'll do it again. Mm -hmm. You know, that part is about getting work. Uh, I also think part of my self care listening to this is how can I be useful is always in the forefront. And then a little bit of making sure of what is it that I actually want? Yeah. You know, and it's okay. But one of the things I think the year and a half reset did for me is like, all right, it's okay for me to want something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And also, you know, I've not quite gotten to this place, but to ask for what I want once I figure out what that thing is, right? Because it's so easy. I come from, I approach my art from a place of service. I've gotten to that place and, you know, People you people say that and it sounds flowery when I hear it and then I say it and I'm like, oh, believe me, my artist, my, my artist service, <laughs> I really, I really mean that. I really mean that. Um, but oftentimes when we're like, I am an artist and this is service, we don't realize that like there is a give and take. Like I do want something too. Like if it's at the detriment of I can only serve when I'm like when I'm fed, like I can, when I'm also fed, right? When I'm also taken care of, like there's certain things that I need to be able to be of maximum service. So to be able to recognize those things, what do I want and ask for them? Because that's a part of the flow, Yeah. right? I think I burnt out really early on because I was like in my mind paying back a debt for something someone did to me that was like super nice. And I was like, ah, I just need to, any time I'm asked to do something, this is my debt to society. I need to.
0: I got to pay I, it forward.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> the pay, I have to pay it forward. And then in the pandemic, I was like, yo, like the bill has been settled. It's been settled <laughs> a long time ago. It's been settled a long time ago. And like, now I just need to do these moments where I'm both serving myself, which is I'm expressing myself in my art, right? but I also need to get paid for it. Like, I don't want to have to worry about a lot of the things outside of that. Like, yeah. So no, like I, I found my, I guess I found a little bit of my worth and my value in not doing the thing, pursuing the thing that I love to do so much in a year that I'm like, Oh, there are other things that I, I'm a, I'm a full human being. It's crazy. Cause when you're in the rat race and running back and forth, you can, Forget about family just a little bit, and you can forget about health. But if you're sitting, you're like, "Oh my god, they're here too." I have all these feelings. Okay, cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that. I I think that pause for the year and a half is actually so glad. The conversation is great because that is actually, I think, what I wanted to talk about is the fact that like there's a restoring recognition of the whole individual.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and what you need, and I, I think because we've gone without doing certain things, we also recognize that we we don't have to, <laughs> and that's not when when I don't think I don't want to you know I'm on a it's a theater podcast I don't want to be like oh I I don't have to do it no I do and it's part of me and I love it, but I don't have to do it to my detriment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, that's the, that's the clarity. And I I want to, I'm a little older than you, Neil, um, uh, but that was the thing I was actively working on. I would say about a year prior to this pandemic is really consciously aware of like, Oh, I can't do this to my detriment. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to make sure that I'm taken care of. And as you're taking care of others and things like that. And as you say, how can I be of service? Well, I can't be of service if I'm not healthy. Yeah. You know? And, um, Uh, And now in that time, the pause, it really is like, all right, what do I want to do? What do I how am I useful? What do I want? What feeds me so I can feed others? Yeah. And it's a real sense of clarity and balance. It's really important to come out of because I think of, you know, part of the audience that I'm thinking about is this early career artist who you know, may feel hungry just for the opportunity You talk about being fed, it's Been a year and a half, you know, somebody who graduated college right at the beginning of a pandemic and just hasn't had that entry physically into a community might be wanting something. And just to know, like, I think the other great thing to remember is that it's not going to even like you said, it's still here. It's not going to go away. Just it's not because- going
1: away. And, and I think something also to recognize is like, it took, it took a pandemic for us to sit down, just to sit and to like go on walks, right? To like go, just, it took a pandemic for us to cook at home. Like it it took something as like crazy as a pandemic to do just like basic, real basic things. And so for me, like early career artists is like, don't wait for a pandemic to take a pause. And also don't wait for a pandemic to be over to unpause. I'm not ready. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not ready to to go out in my full capacity. I'm not unpaused yet. I'm like, you know, I guess like un- <laughs> unpausing, right? Like I the things that work for me right now that are like healthy for me, those are the things that I'm doing. And sometimes I don't know my limit and I overdo that thing because you know cause I'm me. Um, and then I realized what that, what that looks like. We're all learning how to engage again with things that we've not engaged with in 18, 18 months in the way that we used to prior to this pandemic. So like early career artists take pauses, go on a vacation, like work to vacation. (laughs) Does that, I didn't, I I didn't know that
0: I didn't Work, work to
1: vacation work to vacation. Right work and i also and i think
0: you know uh one of the things in new york when you said like cook at home you know it wasn't that we couldn't it's i think that we were always running yeah you're going from teaching artists in the daytime to like a mid-afternoon rehearsal to a reading at night and Mm -hmm. you know you didn't have enough time to go home and do that and you know now that you've spent your day or not now now we're sort of the hybrid as you said but during the pandemic the fact that you spent most of your day at home all of a sudden it's like oh what are the things the fundamental things I do to care for myself that actually make me feel cared for yeah you know, and I, you listed all of them for me the going for the walk and the cooking and all that um it's really great I want to jump now I'm jumping back to because we're talking about how to get out of. You know you're in a place of of I hear a place of grounded and centeredness and under and confidence with your art um and yourself when did you what do you do you remember I'm jumping back like probably seven years to the armory or before is there a moment where you felt like somebody helped was there a a person or an event that helps you feel like, oh, I'm going to be in this game. I'm going to be in this business. I have a, I got to the next level, whatever it is. Um,
1: so many actually just like really so many like affirming moments and people and things for, for me, a thing that I've, I've done most of my life is I store up, like, I store up affirmations, not ones that I've come up with, but things I've heard people say about me, things that I've heard people say to me, a feeling that they made me feel, so that in those moments when I have the doubt about this career, when I've not booked the job that I really want, I can always refer back to those things that I've made an impact somehow. Um, But it's so... (laughs) Just so you know, you can listen to like other podcasts or read interviews. This is actually the truth. I remember being 21 or 22 and I was like not, I was pursuing musical theater at the time and I had not found people who understood what it was that I did. I had a friend who had heard about Labyrinth Theater Company and wanted me to see a reading of a play. And I, you know, I'm in the musical theater world. I'm like, oh, either they write their shows and they go to Broadway, period. Workshop, what's a a reading? (laughs) I was so early in my career, I had no idea what a reading was. And I went to see a reading of your play, Patrick lights up on the fade out <laughs> and he's <laughs> um
0: i will just say that i did not know where you were going when you're I, like you i know
1: listen you listen to other podcasts you can I...
0: <laughs> no they can't
1: no they can't oh. <laughs>
0: i realized you're just going to say that because you're going to uh, em- acknowledge me or embarrass me but no no, no, no i really appreciate it. so you went to see lights up on the fade out at the public yeah. like.
1: and um i don't think i i had an experience with the non-musical in that way before in that here was a play that was in development it was actors with script in hand they were reading and i just there was just so much um there was so much life on stage and the people on stage looked like my new york um they looked like my people and I think that was a moment for me where I was like, well, I don't, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of a certain age. When I, when I started out, there was no Hamilton, there was no In the Heights, there was no Passing Strange, right? So musical theater people looked like a certain thing. They moved like a certain thing and I was not that. So I was like, if I can't be that, then I can't be in the theater. And seeing your play, the acting, the subject matter, just everything about it from the time I entered the doors of the public and met like the labyrinth people to just like the end of the reading. I was like, damn. Okay. So maybe there is a place for me. I don't know if I can act without singing, but like (laughs) we might have to figure this out. Cause like maybe there is a place for me in the theater world. And that was like a huge, moment of affirmation for me because I felt seen and I felt like there was some place that I could go and that like started my journey um, with Labyrinth. I then took the master class and took the um, intensive ensemble in 2011. It's been 10 years. Oof. Amazing. Oh man, and and my life is you know, that that experience affirmed me, my, my need and my want to be an artist again, but also just a to find a place as a human being. This is the thing that we talk about early career artists and it wasn't because I was smart or calculated. It was because I didn't know anything that I just wanted to be around a community of people. So I did everything because I felt underqualified. Like once again, I came from the musical theater world where the way that I trained, it was more, you know, I was taught more to sing than I was to act. So I was like, I don't know if I can act without a song to bookend my feelings. Um, So I was in this space where people were just actors, just really strong actors. And I was like, I don't know if this is an environment that I can survive in, but I like these people. So I'm going to do whatever it is that they ask of me. Cause they gave me this gift of this reading and feeling like I belonged, like I had a place. So that paying it forward is like, that was, that was the moment where I was like, ah, I feel seen in this space. Now I need to pay it forward by like doing whatever they ask of me, which, you know, to a point, um, to, to a, <laughs> to a point.
0: <laughs> I love that story. Uh Because it's my play. Um, (laughs) I love that story because I think what's really important is we don't, is to go to things, right? Mm -hmm. And to go, go to theaters and go to places and find your community. And I think it is, find what resonates with you. And we don't, until you experience things, you won't know. You know, because yeah. you're right, you were you like, oh, musical theater is it, but I don't feel like I belong there, but I, I, that's where I think I know, or somebody else might have a perception, you know, I belong here, but until you actually feel that visceral connection, you don't, you don't know, and it's, uh, you know, the other work, there's nothing today because the, the industry has shifted and grown and matured. You know, maybe you're, maybe you and and you have changed and matured. Is maybe Mm -hmm. you are in the next Broadway musical, but but where you feel that constant connection and calling, you don't know. And what's interesting is, you know, you went to a reading, and then it's you, you're like, oh, I did this, I did this. You know, I took the class, and I whatever they asked of me, I did. But I also heard that the thing you subtly mentioned is, you know, right before the pandemic, I was on leadership of the company. And after 10 years, there's an investment of not just giving, but also being recognized and seen and, and as value and people seeing that value. And I might be wrong on the timeline, but um, Sundance, right. Didn't you go to the Sundance play lab and Chicago Mm -hmm. and reading at Manhattan theater club? And, you know, it's, it's all those projects come out of it seen. i guess an say it. a willingness no it's going to say a willingness to show up for your friends while they're developing something and and but it's out of connect it's out of community
1: yes 100 100 i'll say that like i've auditioned and got some like great things but the work like the <laughs> the work that I'll say the bulk of my work comes from referrals and friendships, things that I've developed, which is, you know, I'm, this is not a judgment on on anyone's journey or type, but there's some, this is early career artists. If we're talking to them, there's some actors that are just not a checked box. They can't just play any character you know like i there there there's a unique skill set that i have and that's what people develop work around and so a lot of my friends have developed projects and work around my particular voice which is lovely and amazing and like the dream my dream to have that be like my norm just to validate my voice but also to push people that look like me and sound like me up to the forefront have me tell stories. Um, so yeah, community, community has been, has been the reason why I've stayed in it and why I've worked and all the places that you named have literally been through projects written for me by friends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you can't predict, and this is a very silly thing to say, we can't predict who's which of your friends are talented right all my
1: friends all my friends are talented
0: all of them are right and i well i say it because it takes a little bit it takes a lot of talent and a little bit of luck to get produced but you can because that those three institutions i named or or i don't remember where the institution was in chicago um it was goodman, the the goodman yeah goodman, you know those are all very high caliber and that it's great but i'm thinking when you're when you're looking for the work it is that it is the work that you and the artist and the community and the friends and the peers that invest in you that you also feel like investing in yeah because you get something back art, artistically back that yeah you know hopefully others will find the will also resonate with other people you know
1: and, and i they, mean they, they, There also has, there's something to be said about, and I, you know, my friends are people that I met when we were all sort of like coming up together or mentors of our group um, as we were coming up. So they watched our growth, but there is something to be said, and I've seen this done a lot. And I need to build the courage that when I see a piece of work that really resonates with me that I then reach out to that person and tell them the impact that that work has, has had. That's how, I mean, I feel like that's how I got to know you because I'm like, that's the guy that wrote that play. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I didn't tell you for years that you were the guy that wrote that play, but we were friends already. We were friends already before I told you, cause I was like, I don't want to be the weirder to be like, Oh my God, you're playing, <laughs> you know, but <laughs>
0: yeah, I would hate that.
1: I know it would make it, no, you wouldn't, not, <laughs> but um, I think it's important to tell the people who've done the work that is, mo- that, that just like moves you or speaks to you or, or represents like who you are that you feel is like unseen out in the world to tell them that that work has moved. You. I saw, <laughs> I saw Mary Wives in the park um, and just. And then I saw Jocelyn Bio a week later and we sort of like know each other peripherally. But I just had to tell her that I felt every part of my African being jumping the whole time because of how she wrote those characters. Like, I don't know what that's going to turn into, but like, I also know that at the end of a play when I'm like sweaty and I've done this play and I'm tired, and we've had like a, like three show, we like, we've had like this crazy performance schedule that what sustains me is that person who comes up to me and they're like, wow, that thing that you did, ah, that moment sticks with me. Oh my God. I feel like, oh my God, I saw myself up there or that's my uncle. That's, that's really great. And so once again, going back to, to how this started, just like yes, take care of yourself. Self-care is important. But also, once, once we're satiated, what is the health of the communities that we're in? We should all be managing all of that as individuals, as artists, just as humans in the world. Like, what do our communities look like? How are our communities feeling now?
0: I think it's great that you said it to the playwright also of Mary Wives and you, and that you said it. I mean, the adapter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Um, but it is a strong adaptation. I mean, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, reminds me of something of feeling like, yeah, that you did when you, you said, I don't know what that'll turn into or do. It's not why you do it. No. You do it because that person needs to know. Yes, they had an impact, it may help them. But also, we. I think it's so easy to feel disconnected in this industry, which is about community and storytelling. And I think it's hard to remember that we're in the community, mm-hmm. even if we're not in that production or we're not working at this moment or we're in a different city. There are so many ways to reach out to that person, meaning bump into them in person see him in the lobby after the show or like social media and just say, I saw your play. It it moved me. Yeah. and uh, You know, I'd like to hear it from people who aren't in the industry also, but, but if you're in the industry, it's like, it's totally, nobody doesn't want to hear you moved me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I love that you, (laughs) I love that you said that. And for a long time, I had that feeling that there, it was like, us and them, that there were just different tiers of artists or human beings that I could, and nothing will humble you more than being in a space with an acting hero or a writing hero and watching them in process, which we all kind of get to with readings and workshops, even if you're in the audience, seeing the man or woman behind the curtain, right? And then the added layer, and this is not for everyone, but if you're in New York, you're going to bump into your hero at some point in a coffee shop, walking down the street. I remember being in a workshop of a play and leaving rehearsals, and like down 38th Street, Audra McDonald was doing a vocal warm up. And I was like, my God. And then I was also like, we walk the same street. <laughs> and she's doing her vocal. <laughs> like, how real.
0: And at this point, she still can't afford a studio to no,
1: no 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 no. No, no. I thought this was gonna be like a light, <laughs> a light time. We're just like delving into like mental health. It's a light
0: time. I don't, I don't, you know, we're talking about Audra McDonald's <laughs> celebrity sightings. Um <laughs> on the lightness after doing that work, after doing the community, after having a sense of what I perceive as a sense of belonging. And it's really interesting because we've had this pause, this sit down, because I like to ask, what do you think you carry into the room today that you didn't before? I think that's a whole different question a year and a half later after the pandemic, but what do you carry with you?
1: It's interesting because I don't feel that there's, (laughs) this is gonna make me sound like I've not evolved or I don't think that there's, (laughs) that I haven't taken this time to like, you know. Um, I don't think I carry anything different than I did before because I think I was was experiencing my own personal pandemic. Like, at different parts of my life, I have experienced trauma. I've experienced, like, life-shaking, life-shattering moments, right? And you talked about the exploration that you were on prior to the pandemic. So, like, if you're in a state of self-exploration, um, I I, I think while we can bring new things in, what the pandemic did for me was was reaffirm a, that I was that I was on the right track, that I had the the right questions. Um, I think something new that I picked up is um, <laughs> that there were lots of things about not the art making process, but the industry itself that I was dissatisfied with, and so now you know building boundaries around that but also asking more questions you know just like i think i ask more questions before i walk into a room i think i ask more questions when i'm in a room i ask more questions of myself and also of the industry that i'm in um and a part of a part of it is a part of it is genuine and then another part of it is i think performative is the wrong word but it's the only one that i can find right now And I do that. We did a workshop together. And I think it was my first time in the room. And I was like, there's some people who I'm not sure are talking right now. And I want to let them know that it's okay to ask these particular questions.
0: So you're asking the question to set an example,
1: to set an example. Yeah, because I'm like, I know, I know how this works. I know how much space I take up in this room. I'm not sure if the intern knows that they can take up that much space. Or I'm not sure if the student knows that they can ask the same questions that I can, but you actually, in a collaborative process, it's probably not the way rooms are built all the time, but in a collaborative process that I'm in, I will go to the other, the smaller table with the stage hands. And ask them a question about something so that they feel a part of the process because they are. I, I remember walking into first rehearsal for something, and it wasn't in New York, it was outside of New York. And they had the table with the actors, directors, and the producers, and then they had a smaller table off to the side with like the stage manager and the interns. And I was like, can can we can we not do can we not do this? Because I'm pretty sure there's a huge age gap between me and you, and the gap is smaller, so our experiences mirror each other. Let's bring them into the room, and and that just makes for a richer artistic experience, but also outside of art, just a richer human experience, when we're not pretending like human beings are not in the same space as us, just like let's not pretend like we've not gone through a pandemic and then like covid is still real when we walk into a space or a classroom right because yeah. that's that's how we continue to hold on to these traumas and we don't treat them because this is normal this is everything's fine we're fine and calculus it's like but those feelings though
0: <laughs> yeah Uh, I agree. I also believe that everyone should be at the table because everyone you don't know where the best where the next right answer is going to come from, or the great idea. And everyone in that room, I find, is invested in the project. That's why they're Mm -hmm. there. And if they have (laughs) metaphorically, but literally a seat at the table, that is the same table, there's a better chance that you're going to hear their idea
1: yeah
0: and that they're going to feel valued
1: but this is these are the these are the conversations now while we were in the pause we the, things sort of came up and 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 things about just the dynamic of rooms in our industry started to crop up and i feel like these are the important conversations that we really should be having and what it feels like in this moment. And you're getting a little bit of discourse from me right now. What is happening in this moment is we're glossing over these issues that are essential to the health of our industry and the longevity of our industry. Because we can cancel out theater really quickly. It costs too much, not too many people go to it. But if we want it to sustain, we need to actually build equity in rooms that are not performative but are like true and grounded in reality and a true desire to have everyone feel included, included. Yes.
0: And I know that when you talked about the workshop we did, you know, I, I really appreciated. it. It was not performative. I think you were setting an example. There's a difference, you know, Mm. like you were performative is doing it so people can see, you know, but setting an example of asking a question so that, you know, students recognize that they too can ask those challenging questions. Cause you were asking questions about race. You were asking questions. And I think the students wanted permission. I don't know if they wanted it. They needed it.
1: I, I think that was, yeah, I think that was it. Cause if you, if you come from a place of, if you exist in a space of lacking certain things, you don't know that that's an option that you do have. And I, and and it's all once again paying it forward and a little bit selfish. I'm like, I've been the only person of color in so many rooms. But a person of color in, in in so many, like the only person of color in so many rooms and being a young person or being new to an industry, you don't, you kind of don't really know what the rules are. Like you want to be asked back. You also don't want to be perceived as something that you're not and so you know i think the more that we artists who are older and have a little bit more experience the more we lean into the fact that we are artists but also we are teachers that we are being of service every time we're in space i think that i think that will help to close that equity gap right because the industry will be what the industry is going to be until we tell them what it looks like to actually yeah to actually do the work not to say we're doing the work it's not a theory what does it actually look like that's it it really it it really sucks that it that we have to do that work but also you know i'm i'm game i'm i'm here (laughs) i don't (laughs) I'll do it. I'll do I'll, the work. I'll do it. You know, but it's
0: so many thoughts, and I'm going to be respectful of time. One of the one of the things that I said to a friend of mine early on in the pandemic, when all of these uh, statements were being made about equity inclusion diversity, is you know, I, don't tell me what you're going to do. Tell me what you did. And and uh, because. It's so it, it becomes idealized. What do I want to do? You know, is of course I want to be a great ally and a great person, you know, an organization and institution. But what do I, what did I actually do to try to create that inclusion? Yeah. And, and, um, you know, road to hell is paved with the best intentions. Um, yeah. yeah. But, The other thing when you were saying this that was valuable for me to hear, um, thinking of those two students, is it can be when somebody looks like you, it is much more valuable for that person to be um, setting the example and modeling. It's much more impactful than to be told by somebody who doesn't look like you, that you're invited to and you're included, it's not that that's bad, right? Yeah. To, for 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 me to sit at the table and say, you know, oh, you know, do you have a thought? Do you want to share? You can share. You know, you're valuable. But if there's a a person in a role, I think it's just it was it, when you were talking, I was like, yeah, that's more impactful more impactful to have more people in the room who so that people aren't the only one like the position you talked about yourself being in because there's not a a model for somebody to say yeah this is okay and you will be invited back and you will be valued and this is important yeah and uh it's really obvious and good to hear
1: and it's just a just a little you know Just a little thing to cap that off that, like you said, with the with these statements that have been coming out, um, don't tell me what you're going to do. Tell me what you've done. I think modeling is more important than an invitation, than a direct invitation. Oh, thank you, Neil.
0: Thank you for conversation. Thank you for the friendship and your talents. I love the idea of modeling. You're right. Modeling is what is valuable. I'm thinking about all the ways that, I mean, we talked about it and you talked about it in the pod. You heard it, but of all the ways that we want the industry to change, we want the world to change. And um, and yeah, it's really important. I saw him model that behavior in the room of him speaking up mainly as a, you know, an adult African American, very talented actor in the room, and there were two students who were quiet. And I, I really saw the value of him modeling that because all of a sudden they knew that they could participate and share. And you know that, didn't, like you said, the invitation was always there, but the modeling was more important. I also want to say that I didn't talk about this at the beginning, but when I was in Tennessee, those students talked about going out with him afterwards to eat and how. Impactful. His modeling this generosity to to with them, and uh, it still resonated. And that was, you know, that was four months ago, and they were still very impacted by it. So I was glad he talked about it and and uh, and remembered it because it did come up with a trip in Austin, P. And the students are still very much affected by it. And it was great. It was a great conversation. And I also love the level of mental health talk and that we had uh, a sense of self. And, you know, I want that, I I feel like that's um, really important to take away and and learning for me of like, yeah, it's the work we do. I mean, we all have aspirations to be great, you know, to be better people. And I think what what I was talking in the conversation with Neil and is and the trip, even Austin Pia, what I'm taking away is like, oh, it's the actions. It's the value we bring to things. It's actually what we do that matters. And those are the things that have the impact and may not be as able to take actions as quickly or as perfectly as I would think that I want to, or that I say that my intention is, but as long as I'm doing the best I can and I'm doing, then that's, what's going to make the difference. And on the doing part, I'm going to say that I'm really, this has been great. The last couple of weeks has been really nice. I've gotten a lot of people reaching out about the podcast and, and, uh, it was really nice the last time, people listening to Maddie Barr's conversation and Alia and Riley and Diana. And I think I think there's something about hearing people actively moving through the pandemic that's been touching people and impactful. And uh, and I just like hearing it. And I also, as I say all the time, tell me what you're doing. You know, email me, Patrick, at org, or, you know, drop a line on social media, whatever. Let me know what you're doing. I will promote and put it in the newsletter, and do whatever I can, because uh, that I can do, and I think as we're coming back live, it's hard, live and in person, it's challenging to get those social muscles back together, and getting people to show up, and so, and not, not not that it's hard to show up, I think we're just out of the habit of going, and we're out of the habit of having the old ways of letting people know what's happening, and what's important, so if we can support in any way, uh, happy to do it, really happy to know that you're out there creating stuff, so Thank you, and with that, we're out.